So tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, why is HR so important in our lives right now? Um, I think right now we're seeing a shift in our culture. Um, I believe it started with millennials and just ultimately not being happier, feeling, you know, they didn't have a purpose in their work or maybe employers um, weren't necessarily treating them right. Um, And then I think from there we saw a huge boost in um, self-employment and in freelancing. And so now we're have a new generation with Gen Z who really want to know how you're doing things, how you're creating these products, what your mission is, how you're contributing to society. And I think all of that plays into HR. I think HR has um, not the greatest reputation. I think with companies, um, people view HR as um, the opposite of human, a little bit inhumane, very cold, mm-hmm, pretty black mm-hmm. and white, um, unemotional. And I think that we're seeing a transition now to where HR is going to play a key role in ultimately growing businesses um, and helping them with longitudinal success because of the culture that we're in right now. And for everybody tuning in, that's Katrina Gazirian. And uh, if you want to search her on, on social media, if you spell that G-H-A-Z-A-R-I-A-N. And check out her mm-hmm. sites, uh, her, her company, uh, that she will be talking about eva8.com that's eva eva the number eight.com and her social media pages the facebook the instagram they are there on the site you can scroll down check them out but you mentioned a topic that i love and i don't think i've ever really had the opportunity to talk about it too much but since okay. you brought it up hey, we're going in why are we millennials so delicate why are we so sensitive? Um, I think millennials was the start of, um, I would say, we were calling people out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with social, the millennials, you know, I'm 32. So I would say internet really came into play with dial up maybe when I was 10. So a little over 20 years ago. Um, and so now everybody's talking about everything. Mm -hmm. And so this generation millennials, we're starting to compare our experiences with what other people's experiences are. Um, And so with people speaking out more and giving more details about their life, whether it's personal or professional, we're looking at our own lives and saying, hold on a second. I too, hashtag me too, Um, I'm going through these things as well, and they're being perceived as not right. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, hey, I'm not getting these same privileges that these people are getting that they're talking about. And so I think we have this shift of not only has, you know, say the female role in families changed with females work, moms are now working more um, than than our previous generation. But now um, employers and culture have to catch up with all of those trends, such as certain types of leave, um, certain types of flexibilities so we can care for our children and so forth. So I don't, I don't know if it's that millennials are um, sensitive. We're definitely entitled. 
-hmm. I will say that and I will say that confidently. Um, but I think it's more, we're just seeing more comparison. I think that if we had the same type of technology culture that we did 20 years ago, we would still, we wouldn't be where we are today, in my opinion. Do you think it's going to make it harder for us as we get older because we feel so entitled and a lot of us are and that like, if things aren't going to go our ways and you know, if our parents aren't there and stuff, do you think it's going to make it a harder life? For a lot of us, you think there's going to be a new level of complaining? No, I don't actually. I think that, like I said, with the new generation, Generation mm -hmm. Z, um, I think that employers are going to be held more accountable Got to it. how they're doing things and what their purpose is and how they're contributing. Um, however, we're also seeing an increase in available resources in order to meet you know, those objectives. So I don't think we'll necessarily hit a higher level of whining and complaining. We're actually, you know, with some influencers or company owners, we're seeing even more of a little bit of a regression where we have a lot of people taking a stance on those that are entitled. And, you know, we're having people who are also millennials kind of on the other side of the spectrum saying no you still have to work hard to get to where you're going exactly. um so yeah i don't think we'll hit another level i think that as our complaining has shifted so has the available resources and you mentioned there's a shift that more and more companies are putting more money into hr for, for mm -hmm. reasons like this is that kind of how eva ate came about? Like, can you tell us more about this backstory of how you jumped into this entrepreneurial world? Yeah, you know, I don't have this story um, that you often hear about entrepreneurs of I hated my job and I needed to get out of there. I was actually doing HR mm -hmm. already. Um, I think for me, it was my personal circumstances. Um, I was a single mom. Uh, my daughter was two years old. And by the time I was getting out of work or leaving the office and picking her up and taking her home. I really only had time to bathe her, feed her and put her to bed. So I felt like there wasn't much, I wasn't connecting with her the way I had wanted to. And so it really came down to just having more flexibility in my schedule. So I approached, you know, my employers at the time and I let them know, Hey, can I come in earlier? like 6 a.m. so I can leave earlier and pick her up and mm -hmm. kind of have my time with her. Um, and they felt that it was necessary for me to be on site. And for that reason, uh, as time went, yeah, as time went on, I still continue to in, evolve um, in my own development. I felt it was an appropriate time for me to step away and move toward more of an independent consultant role. So I put in my 30 days resignation and, you know, I didn't want to leave them in any type of predicament without me being there. I, I held a lot of the intellectual property, I would say, in that company. I did all of the hiring, all of the recruiting. I was mm -hmm. the only senior manager um, in the entire company at that time. And so I wanted to make sure they were going to be okay when I left. And so I would say about a week before my resignation was up, they, they took me into the conference room. I thought they were going to offer me more money. Um, but they basically told me, you know, we want to be your client. What? So I ended up leaving with a full book of business. Basically. Yeah. So there's no really rags to riches story. <laughs> that is then, pretty badass. 
Yeah, so wow. I would say when we talk about mm-hmm. entitlement, um, I worked really hard from day one until the very last day. And I believe that's why, you know, they felt they wanted to keep me on board in whatever capacity I was willing to accept for them. That makes so much sense. And wow, mm-hmm. I can't believe more people don't do this because they're still paying, like they're paying you a salary, but now they're mm-hmm. just paying it out to the business, right? In a sense. Right. I mean, I took so much pride in my work. Um, I took, I mean, I built out that entire corporate team. And then this particular group of founders have um, other companies. And so I was helping them recruit for those companies as well. And actually, when I left, they gave me all of the companies. So it wasn't just the one I was working for directly. I was doing HR for all of them, which were about four different entities at the time. Um, so I think there was, I saw something there. I, I, I definitely saw, um, the value of being able to recruit effectively and knowing how to bring on good members for a team. Um, also, you know, what processes and procedures should look like and building out how quickly a company can scale, um, when you have these processes and procedures in place, and I'll give you an example. One of their companies um, had one location. It's a fast, casual concept. There's actually two in Chicago right now. Um, what is it called? They started in fast it's casual? Pokey Work. No, it's a, oh, it's a fast. This, the, yeah. play, the food place, Pokey. Yes. Yeah. So Pokey, Pokey Works. Work. Mm-hmm. Works. I don't think yeah, I had they that have one yet. They have two locations. They have one on Lake Street in Chicago, and they have one um, on Madison. I when I used to work downtown, this place has been around for at least a couple of years, right? Uh, I believe so. I think they're going on maybe two years this yep, year 100%. for those for those locations. It opened up about two years ago, and yeah. I went there uh, one time or a couple times for lunch when I used to work downtown. I think. Yes. So they 100%. had their first location in New York City, and you know, at that time they were scaling, they had a Facebook video go viral. And so they wanted to open up a bunch of locations. And so I, you know, came on and I explained to them, let's put these processes in place. We need a recruiting process. We need an onboarding process. We need to make sure we have an interview process. And so that way everybody's getting the same experience. And so from that time, when they had their first location in December of 2015, and fast forward to today, they have over 50 locations, and they have about 150 locations signed on. So I knew even back then how important it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to make sure that these processes were in place. However, if I wasn't there, none of these owners want to do HR. So they wouldn't have done this. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. they don't like it. Not Most entrepreneurs don't like HR whatsoever. It's not fun. Um, it's not for them. It's fun for me. Um, so I, I felt like I needed to speak up more and make a difference in all of these, in whatever company was out there, a brand that I really enjoyed, a brand that I believed in. This was the way I felt I was going to help contribute. So what makes Eva 8 different from the traditional HR companies that are out there right now, like the, the big names? Um, So the big name HR companies, I would say, are more technology-based. So they're going to give you the system that you need to use in terms of storing employee files and a handbook builder and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe Eva 8 is more human-based. And so we take every situation and we really try to think of 
the best possible case. And we really are on the employer side. Um, you know, and by being on the employer side and caring about their company, we indirectly are on the employee side as well because we're ensuring that they have a healthy and safe place to work every single day. Um, and so I think by with Eva 8, you know, we really come in and we customize everything from what their organizational chart should look like, mm -hmm. um, their pay ranges, their benefits and compensation packages, their compliance. I mean, we look at everything and we really look at every company with the sense of if this company were to go out in the market and try to sell itself today, how desirable is this company going to look to buyers? And that is really what our goal is. Got it. So, and then do you deal with companies all over the, all, all over the U S it sounds like. Yeah. So, could, so we are anywhere? nationwide. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Got it. So how would you, and all types of industries as well, or. All industries. I mean, I can tell you we're not as popular in say the real estate mm -hmm. industry um, just because most of their, you know, their most of their operators are 1099. Um, so not a lot of employees in those, mm -hmm specific industries. But yeah, aside from real estate and maybe even the medical industry, um, I would say that we can thrive in any industry, any other industry. Awesome. And uh, I guess, is it to a point where you're more involved is what you're saying, right? Compared to these other bigger companies, right? It's not as yes, automated. We are heavily, yes, involved. we are heavily involved. We call it high touch consulting. Um, and so anything that is, ha I mean, we get ourselves, we ingrain ourselves so much that they look, we are literally the HR department on their organizational chart. Um, so if, if, even though they have HR, a lot of our clients have HR managers, um, but in some situations, mm -hmm. you know, the HR, HR is the last department that companies build out. Right. And so it's like, they have sales and then you mm -hmm. have marketing and then you have accounting and then you have operations. And then you're like, wow, we have a hundred employees. We should maybe have one HR person. Right. Yeah. And that's just not sustainable. That one HR person is just doing transactional things, onboarding, offboarding, write up payroll, you know, very transactional. It's really hard for that person to come up above everything and mm -hmm. put in some strategies. Right. Why is our turnover so high? Why are our employees ineffective? Why, you know, they're not really able to do these things because they're short staffed and their their whole schedule is taken up with paperwork. So tell me, why Eva eight? I'm sure you got this question. I really wish that I had a compelling story about this. But when we were looking on the trademark mm -hmm. database, mm -hmm. um, we tried every name that we could think of, every name. And then one of my capital partners, you know, he was like, hey, I bought this domain like 10 years ago. <laughs> it's only wow. four letters. Wow. It's only four, it's four, or, yeah. you know, four characters. It's mm -hmm. pretty easy. 
and it was eva8.com and I was like no because his wife's name is Eva and I'm like we are not naming this company <laughs> after your <laughs> wife <laughs> little did and you so, know here we are yeah and so he was like no I bought it before I even met her and I was like that's interesting um, but you know we we I mean we looked for anything and we couldn't find anything that was even everybody's a consultant right every name is taken up Everybody. with consulting at the end um so we just i just kind of did it i mean i i i tell a lot of people eva you know means life and eight means prosperity but mm -hmm. that's a bullshit <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's not the real story <laughs> Do they really mean those things or did you <laughs> give do. the meaning to them? Yeah. No, 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 they do. Yeah, they do. Sweet. No, it's actually kind of cool because it makes you think. At the end of the day, you're like, Eva eight. Like, mm -hmm. what does this mean? And you're compelled to look at it, you know, and then you do have a very catchy site, you know, you got catchy colors. So it's like, you know, you're not just like, oh, hey, I'm Mr. HR, Mrs. HR. Like, you know, I'm, I'm Eva 8. Yeah, I mean, I, I realized it doesn't matter what our name was. Um, our mission was far more important. Exactly. And did you know HR was going to be your thing? Like, like the someone, did you wake up one day and like when you were five years old growing up and you're like, HR, like that, that's, that's life. Did you know? Absolutely or was there a time? not. Okay. Absolutely not. I actually, my dream growing up was to be the first uh, female head coach in the NBA. That oh. was my dream. Um, and so I coached um, high school girls basketball for mm -hmm. several seasons. And then I went on to officiate high school and college basketball for several seasons. Um, and then I got into recruiting. Um, I was working for a third party staffing agency. I was really good at it. And then the, one of my clients, you know, ended up poaching me, I guess you can say they had a position open. They really wanted me to fill that position. And it was an office manager position mm -hmm. um, with HR duties and payroll duties. And so I took that on and then I really flourished in the HR um, perspective. I think coaching um, really helped because I was coaching 15 teenage girls at any given time and so yeah. you know having to get them to buy into my philosophies and then also have to communicate with them in different ways because of mm -hmm. all of the personalities they have um, I think that that really helped me um, understand how to manage you know a large group of people mm -hmm. um, and then being an official or you know a basketball official you get really used to not being liked and you have a thick skin and so when I came into being an office manager nothing bothered me I mean that you know if people mm -hmm. were raising their voice I just wasn't bothered I just wow. you know always met them at a level five you know and I was like hey let's go talk about this and what I does think that, mean, that level five um, I think emotionally, right? Emotionally, someone will come at you at like a level eight. Um, if they're upset, yeah, like a tone. Got like it. A tone. Um, so if they're upset, they'll come at you at like a level eight. Not necessarily upset with you, but just upset, right? Mm -hmm. With somebody or something. And so I always really try to meet them at a five, at a more calm uh, temperament. And that was, I think that helped 
diffuse a lot of situations. And so I think I really pushed the envelope of the theory that you can't be liked and respected. I think that that was something I was able to accomplish. And so I kind of, you know, saw my calling um, with employee management and showing employers, you know, this is how you need to lead people. This is how you should put in processes and procedures so everybody feels like they're being treated fairly. See, there is a story. Maybe it wasn't yeah. the entrepreneurial right away, but there was yeah. a good story there, like for sure. And well, I wasn't sleeping on any couches making 50 cents a day, right? Okay. That seems to be a story. It's okay. I mean, it sounds like, you know, coach a team of 50, you said they were 15 year old? Yeah, they were high school girls okay. at the time when I was coaching. Uh-huh. So pretty much what I'm getting is that if I can coach a group of high school girls and get them to conform, I can pretty mm-hmm. much do anything. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, that in itself is an accomplishment. I mean, sometimes they are crying for no reason, and then they're mad, and then they're happy. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to stick to what the mission was. Again, going back to that, and the mission was to make them better athletes and have a winning record. <laughs> so, uh, do you, what would you tell like nowadays to someone, like someone like me that was miserable in their cubicle just a few years back, and I got, you know, very, very depressed and suicidal and had to, you know, get treatment and just a lot Mm -hmm. went on because I was going to push that route. Would you recommend this life of entrepreneurism to people or would you, would you steer clear? So I definitely think, I mean, your entrepreneurship and then your own personal, you know, mental health are, they're not mutually exclusive. I think that in order to thrive in any environment, you have to be mentally okay. Mm -hmm. I think that if basically if you're feeling suicidal or if you're feeling depressed, I don't think it's your job. I think there's more to it than that. I don't think that that a job in itself makes you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I would first attack the personal side, you know, and I would explain to you, hey, it doesn't matter if you're making a million dollars, you're still going to feel this way because the problem is is in you. It has nothing to do with your environment. So I would focus on that first. And I think through that discovery, um, you would figure out, you know, what what where do I want to spend my time? You know, where do I mm-hmm. feel like I can make the most contribution? And then at that point, we would have a discussion and decide, is it here or is it something else that you want to do? Got it. So kind of focus on yourself first. Make sure you're thinking straight. Right? You're like, that, that, that's, that's definitely what I did. Um, I guess I didn't really think about it too much that way. Subcon- mm-hmm. well, like subconsciously, you know, I went through different methods of healing myself. I went on like this life-changing journey all alone, you know, like a like trip mm-hmm. all alone. So it, things definitely did happen. It didn't happen overnight. You're, you're totally right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's something that I, I mean, I don't have a personal, um, social media. Yeah. And I actually, uh, deleted my personal accounts Mm. last week just to take a stance on, on these types of, um, theories that I have, um, that I'm, that I'm sure a lot of people share with me as well. Um, in that, you know, we're putting so much blame in our environment of why we feel a certain way, but it's really just, we're comparing ourselves to, to things that aren't realistic. They're not real. Um, and so I think that 
one of the one of the things I'm trying to prove, which is out there, is you have to have a personal brand in mm -hmm. order to have a successful business. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that ah. I have to go and curate my own life, mm -hmm. right, in terms of social media and act like I have everything figured out all the time and I have the best filters and I'm having the time of my life. I don't feel like I need that in order to grow my business. I don't feel like, I almost feel like I'm swindling people, you know, mm -hmm. because I don't have it all figured out. I don't think anybody does. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I really am trying to push back on that and say that you don't need a personal brand to have a successful business. In fact, you don't really need an online social media presence if you don't have a digital product. So everybody, I'm, I'm hearing the opposite. So that's why this is so astonishing to me. Like people are telling me your personal brand is going to outgrow your business. It's always going to be there no matter what. It's like personal, personal, personal. I'm, Every I go to a lot of these networking events and conferences, and everybody is pushing that so much nowadays. Well, that's what they want you to pay for, uh -huh. right? They and I, I went on this rant the day before I like deleted my social media. <laughs> I went on this rant of like, why do we insist on overcomplicating everything? We overcomplicate everything, and and I'm trying to get people to understand. And I'll give you an example, like like the keto diet and counting oh, yeah. your macros and personal branding and, and curating your timeline. And why are we overcomplicating everything? And the reason is because there are people out there who want your money so they can help solve these problems, right? They're pushing these complicated theories um, just so they have a business. Mm -hmm. Right. They, you have online courses that you can buy now and every type of, I mean, any topic, right? You can literally go on and buy a course for it. But you can also Google a lot of that information for free. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I definitely feel like we are, like people overcomplicate things in general. And just like digital marketing, you know, you have to grow your social media, grow it, grow it, grow it, but you're not even selling a product on there. So why do you have to grow it? Um, again, the keto diet and those complicated, you know, um, fads. It's, mm -hmm. I, to me, it's like if you're not even covering the basics of eating a normal diet and exercising regularly, what makes you think that you have the discipline to cut out an entire mm -hmm. macro? Like, why are we complicating everything? It's science, right? Just eat less calories than you're putting out and you're going to lose weight. It's science. So I, I'm kind of I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sad to see that people are buying into these theories and they're spending money on it over and over and over again because they keep failing at it. You know, they're buying stock photos to add to their social media to oh, yeah. make it look like they have. A, I've, and I'm only saying this, Miro, because I've done it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, but, I've tried the keto you're, diet. Okay. I've tried counting my macros. I subscribe to, to an online an online site where you can buy stock photos and they told me you have to post twice a day and you have mm -hmm. to use all you these hashtags to. at least three my, i'm hearing three my business didn't grow you know it didn't i didn't get a single client from doing that i got my clients from the current clients that i'm working with who referred mm -hmm. me over you know what i mean 
And so I just feel like we overcomplicate things, I think. And that, that was something I really found in HR. You know, we want to offer, um, Omar isn't getting mad at me, but you want to offer like a nap room, right? Or you want to have these company retreats or you um, want to off, bring in, you know, personal trainers mm -hmm. or you want to do all these things, but you're not even really covering the basics. We're overcomplicating things. And we're not really asking employees what they want. Why don't you just ask them what they want? You know, company retreats, I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to spend any more time with my coworkers than I have to. <laughs> so, wow. So the, this is not like what I would expect to hear from, from someone in HR. I love well, it. I think that's what I think that's what makes Eva Eight so different is we're yeah. not just HR, we're business consultants also right mm -hmm, we understand mm -hmm. the numbers behind all of the decisions that we make but there i mean there are uh, with social media just kind of backtrack to that there's definitely people out there that are i guess quote unquote killing it right and mm -hmm. they are actually making money you know or having an influence you think it's just like the select few that are and then everybody else is kind of a sucker in this big game that we're just kind of trying to be like the select few which are like the stars i think that a lot of the influencers um or i would say a lot of yeah the influ people are on social media who have a really large following today a lot of them had built a product before you know like they had a successful business prior mm -hmm. and then came onto social media and then kind of you know their next step in their career was you know, mentoring, coaching, um, podcasts and events and conferences and things like that. I see, I think that there's that group of people, which is, I, I think very appropriate for okay. them to be doing. And then you have this other group of people that I feel it's their only way to make any money. Right. And so if Instagram died today, what would happen to their business? You know, That's and I'm it. not, now, the likelihood of that happening, I'm sure, is very extremely low. Um, but, you know, we have instances where Instagram was down for an entire day. Yep. And so do you lose a whole, you know, day of business because of that? I just don't know if that is necessarily the smartest route to take. I think that, I think that if you want to make true wealth um, and if you want to help a lot of people, I think that you can help people by building a company that offers jobs um, or that, you know, something that where you're contributing positively. I think that on Instagram, we're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs that basically built a business off of helping people build a business, you know, but when you, when you really look deep down into what their history looks like, they've never actually built like a product or a service that service you know large companies are made a long impact it's just them kind of selling digital courses over and over and over again and to a different group of people i don't i don't think they see a lot of return customers do you yeah that's that's a great point uh, i actually wonder if there's like a study out there about that um yeah do you you think it's just a matter you think we're living in a bubble you think it's a matter of time? Because I mean, there's always new things that come out, right? Like everybody thought MySpace was going to be forever. And mm -hmm. 
you know, that crashed and burned. Do you, do you think we're in a bubble, a social media bubble? Um, yeah, I, I, I do think I, one of the things I truly believe in is that, you know, we are going to have a recession like we always do um, yep. every so often. I mean, the time of the last recession, I was working in, in financial services and it, mm. you know, I, it took me forever to find a job at that time. Whereas now I can walk down the street and find the job. Um, but I definitely think that what we're going to see is venture capital is going to get a lot more strict, um, mm -hmm. in who they're giving money to. I, I think that we're going to see a decrease in entrepreneurship. Um, I think that a lot of the self-employed or entrepreneurs are going to be coming back to the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, though, you know, those that maybe don't necessarily have, um, a product that companies are going to prioritize. Um, I think that they're going to, I think services are still going to be a necessity, um, but you have to have the right services. So, so outsourcing has to still cost less than having something internal. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. the way the, I guess what we can say is the positive thing about contracting or bringing consultants is, is mainly for companies is that we're not really on the books. Um, we're not in payroll. We don't affect um, like if the, a, a company's value, like payables basically is where we're, you'll find us. Um, but buyers or valuation companies, they don't really see contractors and payables um, as a part of their expenses. If that makes any sense, the way payroll is looked at. Um, so I still think that outsourcing is going to be popular, but, but those people, those companies um, that offer those outsourcing services, they have to be really lean and they have to be really efficient oh, yeah. and make sure that their pricing is still lower than what it would cost to have an internal department. And you brought up recession, things like that. Are you, are you preparing for that already? Because I, I know it's been talked about for the past five years now. And yeah. you know, we're still we're constantly on the edge. Where are, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that we we work as if we're in a recession already. Um, the way we evaluate companies, you know, for example, we come in, we audit companies, we look at their um, liability and exposure, we look at their recruiting and selection, we look at compensation and benefits, uh, we look at training and development. We really look at them and grade them. Um, measure them basically on the current market in terms of compliance and best practice. And so we will find those inefficiencies for them and we will present options that are more efficient for them. And then even from a compensation standpoint, we put together an entire compensation analysis with pay ranges and we will identify certain outliers in those pay ranges. You know, um, is this person being paid for, for some arbitrary reason, you know, higher than everybody else? And so we're ensuring equity across the board, not only for their current staff, but for also new staff coming in. And so I think it, working in that at that level prepares any company for anything to happen. Um, we're not having them spend any extra money where they don't need to. In fact, we're the opposite. We're coming in and saying, you're spending all this money here, let's just say on benefit A, yeah. but no one really cares for it. They don't really use it. So maybe you should be offering benefits B instead because that's mm -hmm. what they want and that's going to be a lower cost for you.
And so we're, we're constantly preparing our clients for anything to happen, layoffs, anything that's coming, we provide uh, that type of outlook for them. Awesome. Well, now, now we're on to our listeners' favorite segment of the show. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. <laughs> okay. Well, everybody tuning in, Katrina Gazirian with Eva8.com. That's Eva, E-V-A, the number eight.com. Be sure to check her out. The social media pages are on the website as well. But uh, the rules of this round, you're going to get five seconds to initiate an answer. So we don't want you thinking too much. Just kind of okay. just, just spit things out there. We're going to get the blood flowing. We're going to get the brain oh, thinking. Oh, man, this gets me in trouble when I just spit things out. Okay, yeah. I yeah. can do this. But otherwise, my producer, Steve Wiley, he comes out and I have to deal with him. He gives me a very hard time. Not you, just me. Okay. So <laughs> I got to make sure I stay on top of you here. Let's go. <clears throat> Hope you're ready. What is your favorite book? I read a lot of books. Um, I would say the book I'm reading right now has definitely gotten my interest um, more than any books I've read in a while. It's called Dataquism. It's by Christian Rudder from OkCupid. So it's super interesting. It's basically taking data from dating websites um, mm -hmm. and kind of comparing it to the assumptions that we all make about social norms and social mm -hmm. standards and fighting against it based off of the data that he pulled. Favorite movie? Favorite movie. I am a sucker for walk the line with Joaquin Phoenix um, and Reese Witherspoon. I love that movie. I don't know if I ever watched. I know what it is. I've seen the cover. I envisioned the cover. I don't think I've ever seen it. Got to add it to the list, right? Yeah. What? <laughs> What is, uh, what is your favorite podcast? I, I go back and forth. It really depends on my mood, but I had been listening to the MS CEO project for a while. Oh, sweet. Yeah. With Andy Frisella. Um, so I listened to that one and then I'll also, depending on who Tony Robbins has as a guest, I'll listen to those. I'll listen to all of them, just the people I want to hear from. Well, we got to convince you to tune in here every once in a while. I so. mean, Boss to Boss is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> if you're stranded on an island, and who's to say this could happen any day now? Okay. What is the one item you want with you? Can't be a person. Um, cereal. <laughs> a huge, huge <laughs> barrel, I'm assuming. Yeah. And maybe like milk on tap. Happy. That's, that's good. That is a boss, two boss exclusive, everybody. <laughs> cereal. We will be mailing you a big box of cereal. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, I hopefully our sponsors heard that. that. Question, we we aren't sponsored by any cereal companies, so I'm going to have to do some magic with that one. We'll see. Okay. If Kix is available. Kix. All right. We'll, we'll mark that one down. Who has been or is, is your greatest mentor? You know, I've been asked this question. I don't have one. Um, I've, I have been blessed to have a network of people who have done well for themselves. And I've been able to kind of take what I can from them and maybe throw away things that I don't necessarily um, believe in or agree with. So I don't, there was never, there has never been one person really that I've you know, been a zealot about and just took everything they said. I think I just take 
bits and pieces of everybody else and make it my own. That's one way to look at it. How yeah. do you uh, drink your coffee? Um, I usually just, I have instant coffee, um, Nescafe, and I just put a little bit of flavored cream in it. That's pretty much it. I have a bottle of that stuff laying here, not opened. Um, I constantly look at it and I'm like, do I open this instant coffee? And then I just don't. I don't know. I read the reviews and then I just don't. So I'm like, I don't know. Is it that good? You like it? You know, I think I have more control over the strength of the coffee oh, using true. instant coffee. I feel like true. with a pot, number one, I'm the only person that drinks coffee in the house. And so like the K-cups, they're pretty weak, I feel, in my opinion. Um, and so I, can, I feel like I could just, you know. So just douse it in there. Customize it the way I like, yeah. All right, all right. What is the one item you consume every day? Or it could be like something you uh, have on yourself and, you know, on your person. But you need it every single day. You can't go a day without it. Not coffee. Oh. Um. You know, I would say my iWatch, but it's been dead for quite some time. Wow. So and I'd be lying if I said it. I still wear it. That's how lazy I am. Um, hold on, hold on. Backtrack. How long has it been dead for? <laughs> it's been dead for like a week. <laughs> and you don't take it off? No, I take it off and I put it down as if, you know, it's ready to wear and I just don't wow. ever charge it. And I put it back on and that's just my outfit. Uh wow. But besides that, I would good. say, I don't know, chapstick maybe. That's actually a, that's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, I will give you in on a little secret. A couple of my, my like watches that I wear out don't, don't work uh -huh. anymore, but I still wear them. Everybody does. Yeah. See, every, everybody has that. It's not just me. But it's, you know, yours actually doesn't even light up. <laughs> At least they like. But no one would know. Like, yeah. Well, the worst is I occasionally get like, oh, hey, what time is it? And I'll be like, mm -hmm. having my phone. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, here's why I actually don't mind it not being charged because it's very distracting. Like if you're in a meeting or something mm -hmm. or, you know, I feel like once it vibrates, you're like constantly looking at it. So I know it's kind of nice not to be distracted, but my wrist still looks really cool. Is it safe to say you'll not be getting a new one? I'm not getting a new one, no. Yeah, oh, so this was like a hidden, I guess, you know, like in disguise, this was like a blessing, essentially. Yes. Because you mm -hmm. wanted to get rid of it and it just died on you, so why not? No, I can charge it. I oh. just don't. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. It works. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there are too many HR regulations out there? Yes or no? I don't think that there are too many HR regulations out there. However, I do think that public agencies can do a far better job in helping people interpret what the actual regulations are. There's very limited resources out there on, you know, even what is the minimum wage if you have a certain number of, employee, mm -hmm. of employees and if you live in this certain metropolitan area. I think that they, I think in general, public agencies do a very poor job in being, in, I guess, releasing comprehensive material that a business owner can actually understand. I think that's the issue. Is entrepreneurism a fad? Yes. 
And you, you already sort of made that known. Should have known that was the answer. Uh, last yeah. but not least, most importantly and seriously, if we had a serious business meeting and I flew into to, to LA and I said, I'm going to help you make millions. And I walked in with socks and sandals. How serious mm-hmm. would you take me? I would take you serious. I, I don't really, I don't really look at what the person looks like. I kind of, I am more focused on the material that they're bringing, um, what they're saying, what type of data they have to prove what they're saying. You know, I think, I think that that's, that goes back to what we were talking about is that we have all these theories and assumptions and people yep. are saying all of these things are happening, but they're not really looking at the data. They're not really using data to, to prove that these things are even happening. So I, I don't care what you look like. I would just want to know what the data is and how you've helped say another client. So I asked for a client case study in almost every single situation like that. So the reason I had to ask that question is because Omar our mutual friend, Omar Syed, uh, which uh, shout out to him, by the way. He said he like wouldn't even talk to me, I'm pretty sure, something like that. He, 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 yeah, he, he was very, very adamant against it, I remember. He has to say that, right? Look at, I mean, that's his company. To the point where he that's, mailed me socks, better yeah, looking socks. I socks too. Yeah, he gave me socks too. I mean, I asked him. Which were I, awesome, I was, by the way. Yeah, I was, I asked him like, hey, do you have any short sleeve shirts? And he gave me like the craziest side eye I have ever seen. He's like, oh, do you want some cargo pants too? I mean, that's his company. That's his branding though. They they do have interesting things. Yeah, I love it. Well, you survived. I survived. I did not have to deal with my producer at all. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being on the my show. Pleasure. It's truly, truly been a pleasure. It's been fun. I'm, I'm excited to see where uh, Eva Eight goes next, and and where mm-hmm. where you will be uh, in a in a year or so. Next time we uh we could maybe you know reconnect, do something again. But uh, the mic is yours here at the very end. If you have any closing thoughts or anything you wanted to clear up, uh, mic is yours. Yeah, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not here to be polarizing as it pertains to entrepreneurs and things like that. But when we talk about it being a fad, for example, you know, you have entrepreneurs who are saying things like leave your corporate job behind. um, And, and really the conversation is starting to be that being an employee is almost something shameful. Um, And I think that that really bothers me um, because Number one, we still have a lot of employees. Number two, how are you going to grow a business if you don't have people to help you grow it? And so I just feel that the reason why I feel entrepreneurship is a fad is because I don't think that people really understand what it takes to build a business. I think that they assume it's glamorous and that you get to do all these things because of what they see on Instagram. Um, But you know, Instagram is not teaching entrepreneurs how to do HR. They're not teaching entrepreneurs how to have, you know, a healthy company culture, how to get their employees to be productive, how to, you know, make sure that they're happy. They just know how to market like it's a great place to work, but they don't know how to actually be a great place to work. And that's why I'm, I'm really concerned about, you know, entrepreneurs that I meet, because I feel like, you know, you're, displaying yourself a certain way on social media, don't you think it's going to piss your employees off? Why would anybody want to work for you if you're literally telling everyone else to leave their corporate job behind? 
it just doesn't make any sense. So I don't like, again, I think that, I think that entrepreneurs need a lot of education. Um, I think that they need to truly understand, you know, how to be humble, how to motivate a team, how to get everybody to buy into their philosophy. And I think that's what HR is. HR is not just terminations and onboarding and recruiting. HR is actually being able to, to build that bridge between the CEO and the rest of the staff. And I think that it's a pretty underrated department. And so you know, that that's kind of been my entire motivation um, with starting Eva 8. And it's uh, what you mentioned. It's I, I love it all and I fully support it. So I, I talk a lot about a lot about these things on my show. Mm-hmm. And it's something I kind of preach a lot about. So I'm like, I'm at the other side of things a lot. But I agree um, that there have to be employees. There always have to be people that's that just don't thrive at being entrepreneurs and running businesses. But at the end of the day, I think it's such a critical experience and such mm-hmm. a great, um, you know, skill just to kind of try to develop and see what it's like. Cause uh, so many people come up to me and the reason I keep doing it is because they ask me and they talk to me about it and they say, I wish I could have done it. I wish I could have done it when I was younger. I, I now I have a family, a mortgage, kids, a car payments, you name it. And I'll never know what it was like, even though it's not easy. And I tell a lot of people, you know, it's, it's good and it's bad. I just still think it's, it's something people should at least give it a try. Cause I get a lot of people that ask me that, that they regret not trying it. It has to make sense. You know, I think that some people say they regret not trying it because they don't know any better. You know, they, mm-hmm. they say they regret not trying it because they don't fully understand what it would have meant in order to do it. I don't think that everybody is built to be an entrepreneur, you know, and, and I'll give you an example. Without, without my team, I am self-employed. With my team, I'm the CEO of a company. You know, I can grow with my team. And I don't think, you know, I'm, even with my current team, although they are very creative and highly skilled, I don't know necessarily if they would enjoy being an entrepreneur or a business owner. I think that they're, they do really well at what they're doing and they're really happy doing it. I don't think it's for everyone. And I, I think we should stop pushing that on everybody. I think that what we want to do is we want to get these companies to talk more about their mission and their contributions. And we want to align those people with those with the entrepreneurial spirit who want to help with that same mission. If that makes any sense, you can have your entrepreneurial spirit and you can use those tools that you have being an employee as well. And I think that that's kind of the gap that we're missing right now. I think that people don't fully understand that. Um, Being an entrepreneur, I don't, I mean, I just don't think it's made for everyone. Just like I'm not made to do certain things, you know, not maybe not necessarily made, but I don't want to do them. I'm not going to be good at them because I don't enjoy doing them, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that there are some people who are built for that. And there's just some people that aren't, and that's okay. It doesn't make you anything less. doesn't make you less successful. It doesn't make you any better than me or you or, 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 you know, Danny Meyer of Shake Shack or Jeff Bezos. of. It doesn't make you any different. We, they all got problems, you know? So I just I think agree. you should and, do and, what and you, you can, want and to you, do. And I guess what I was uh, talking about stressing for me 
I, I do talk a lot about, you know, leaving the corporate world and that sort of lifestyle, but the one, but it's not for everybody. At the end of the day, you could be the most badass, you know, badass entrepreneur in your company. You could just, mm -hmm. that could be your role. That could be what you thrive on and you love to do. So, um, I definitely try not to come off that way. Um, and here's that's, that's the thing. thing, here's the thing, Meryl, if, if you're an employee, not you, but any of your listeners, yeah. you know, if you're an employee and you actually really like what the company is about, you like the mission, but maybe you're not happy with a couple of things that are going on. Um, maybe you feel there's unfair treatment or whatever that is. You have an opportunity to make a difference there. You don't you have do. to leave you your do. company to make a difference. You can make a difference there. You make a difference by speaking up. You make a difference by bringing someone like me on. You make a difference by, you know, holding meetings and, and, you know, suggesting surveys. Like you can make a difference where you are. You don't have to leave you, and you can be very happy where you are. And something new I started doing at my company. I, I like, I hold individual meetings with people now. Um, it's more mm -hmm. of a blue collar labor force that we have. Cause it's a lot of like moving to an environmental company. It's a lot of moving, removing stuff at people's mm -hmm. homes and not many companies that I know or that I heard of like do that. It's like the whole team meetings, mm -hmm. but I've been trying to incorporate individual meetings, like getting individual perspectives, takes surveys. Um, and it's definitely, it definitely helped. It's something newer I've done, but it's, it's definitely helped. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I talk about both things. I, uh, I feel like at the end of the day, I think it's a good medium. Like you have to be able to make your own judgment. I think what's out there you use and then you mm -hmm. either like it or you don't like it. You know, just cause some people are pushing certain things, whether it's more HR related, whether it's more be this entrepreneur related, I think we all have the choice to make whichever, what we want to listen to. And at the end of the day, it comes down to who you are and you choose to listen to this person or that person or just be informed. That's, that's right. Exactly. And that's why I tell people, don't be any type of zealot, you know, don't, don't follow any one influencer or exactly. one person's philosophy or, I mean, you have to come up with your own philosophy because what's making them happy doesn't mean it's going to make you happy. Personal branding for once. I don't like it. You know, I, I didn't enjoy it. I would write these captions and, you know, they, they would get great engagement, but then I would read them a week later and I'm like, that's just not me. It doesn't sound like me. I don't talk like that. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to sound profound and I, I don't know if I'm a profound person. And yeah, I'm so guilty of that too. I, I used to post so many damn things because I was told mm -hmm. to, I had to do certain posts a day, like you just said. And nowadays I don't really post that often anymore. Like I'll release my mm -hmm. episodes. I'll do my rants, you know, I'll bash the, the nine to five life or whatever, but that's just cause it's me and I'm going to share my story, but only, only what a little bit of it. Like I don't, I don't need only if it's real, only if it's real. Mm -hmm. Right. That's exactly. So, so like something like this is going to get posted on the company, social media, right? Like the podcast and things like uh, that. Not like my business <laughs> business, but like just strictly the podcasting. Platforms. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Like for sure. Like if you want to, you have good content like we have here, you want to make sure it's out there. And right. Yeah. Because you have something to say, right. And you, you know, you want to make a difference and I think that's fine, but I don't know about you. I just feel like, you know, not everybody has the privilege to know what I'm doing in my personal life. You know what I mean? Like I don't, 
I don't feel like everyone needs to know what I'm doing, if I'm working mm-hmm. out, what I'm eating, or I'm on vacation. I don't, I think very select yeah. people have that type of pr- privilege to know what I'm doing in real time. That's another, that's an extreme. I feel like, yeah. Starting to document every little part is an extreme. Um, I don't know. At the end of the day, maybe some people are doing it. Why I initially did it was to be able to look back at it and see how mm-hmm. I felt during those times and see how I've grown as an individual through documenting my ways. And I think it's, you know, maybe one day I could share it to someone in my family. Maybe I could, you know, sh- who knows, but that's one way I look at it. All these things yeah. are just documentations of footage of things I, you know, wished I saw maybe how my parents reacted when they were this age mm-hmm. where they were going through some certain struggles. And that would have been so cool to like, see how they felt during those times. Yeah. That's how I, I know. Doesn't it. your family feel, I feel like my family is such a mystery. Because I yeah. can't wouldn't see, you like, wish you could look back like, and like happened? see something? Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a privilege, but some things you might not ever find out ever otherwise. You you don't know how they felt during certain times. Right. So that's my my two cents. I don't cents know if I want to know. <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't, but maybe you don't. I don't know. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for uh coming at me. Um uh, you know, full head of steam and just having so much great knowledge. And you're, you're obviously very passionate about everything you do and everything you talk about. So that's, yes. uh, just appreciate yes, you I for am. being you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. We'll be talking soon. Definitely take care. All right. Thanks, Miro. That is all for this episode of Bossed to Boss. Your next step is to visit bossedtoboss.com, where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is bossed, the number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now. <laughs>